if you had to explain what SEO is to a six-year-old, what do you tell them? I mean, assuming the six-year-old has an inkling of the internet. <laughs> and, and knows the word algorithm. Sir, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Brilliant, a podcast about innovation, experience, and design. I'm your host, Justin Dobb, president of Manani. And this week, we learn what it takes to be really popular on the internet. Well, at least really popular with Google. Next, a little chat about search engine optimization. Stay tuned. So my name is Andreas Mueller, uh, uh, or if you, if you want to pronounce it the German way, Andreas Mueller. And my company is Blue Fusion, B-L-O-O-F-U-S-I-O-N. It's, it's a long story. <laughs> the quick intro is that back in 2001, we started, uh, a co-founder and I, Marcus, Marcus Hovener, uh, and I started Blue Fusion as an SEO company. And we've grown to kind of a digital marketing agency over the years. Uh, and we're still f- very much focused on SEO, which is something I really, really love. You said 2000? Because that's pretty early for the SEO boom. Yeah, so I was VP of marketing for two tech firms before that. So from 93 to 97 and 97 to 2001. And I, I had been dealing with SEO already with, uh, you know, the likes of Alta Vista and right. Lycos. And, and uh, I mean, we did, we did crazy things. We were so clueless. And I knew this was important for our company since we're, you know, uh, an online company. I mean, we did the wackiest things. Like, we basically followed instructions to create different home pages for each of the search engines and then for, you know, for Lycos, we'd have domain.com slash Lycos dash homepage dot HTML. And then we would submit that to Lycos, right? Same thing to AltaVista, wow. just a little bit of a different homepage. It's not like we even had different content for each of those search engines. It's just that the, the homepages were tweaked a little bit differently. But, but here's the crazy thing, Justin. It actually worked. It worked <laughs> back then. What was the rationale for that? Um, well, the rationale was just to optimize specifically according to what these search engines were looking for. And we knew that, you know, research had been done or was was being done every month. Um, and there were certain recommendations like, oh, you have to, your know, homepage has to be this long. You have to have this many keywords. The title tag needs to look like this. All tags need to look like this. And so we we just optimized according to that. And it was... I mean, it's, it's something that today would be considered black hat. And back then it was just, hey, you either do this and you, you get rankings or you're stupid. Yeah. So in the early days, I mean, how did you find out about these strategies? I mean, obviously you couldn't Google. There was, uh, so, so going way back, yeah. going way back to the uh, kind of mid to late 80s, I got interested in the internet. I was, I was working for a, a wine importer in, in San Francisco. And uh, when when things got boring, I installed I actually installed a modem in my in my uh, <laughs> PC, um, and I ran a, a phone line. Like nobody knew about this, so ho- hope nobody's listening. But uh, <laughs> nobody knew about this. But when things got really slow, I just logged into my Unix account as a shell account, so mm-hmm. I could basically get into Unix and have shell access, which is kind of the green screen access to Unix. And I taught myself Unix because I wanted to be on, you know, what what back then was the internet. But it really had very little going on. And in in the early days, I mean, this this was crazy. There's a there's a newsletter that came out every month, an email sent newsletter that gave you every single new website that had been added to the internet. And and so you checked them out. It was so much fun. It was great. It was like like having this 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 marvelous address book to this this beautiful, crazy, exciting world. And nobody else knew about this. And by knowing, by understanding Unix, by being able to to program to a certain extent, you know, you, you would understand which tools to use, like Gopher or Telnet. You could use editing tools like VI obviously FTP and and you can just kind of get around the internet that way. One of my favorite finds was uh, the Weather Underground, which was, I think it was located at the University of Michigan. Um, and you could, I mean, as crazy as this sounds today, 
you could get, you could tell Knit or Gopher or whatever interface you're using to their server, and you could find out temperatures and uh, you know the weather of all these locations in the U.S. And it was just crazy, you know. Yeah. It's just amazing. <laughs> Right on. So let's fast forward. I don't think I really was aware of SEO and, you know, as a mainstream thing until, oh gosh, I'm trying to think 2008. I'm trying to remember okay. when that was. I mean, when, when okay. did this, you know, like this become top of mind for most major corporations? From our perspective, really, um, I mean, so to, the, the early 2000s were very interesting because VPs of marketing had heard about this. And so they were very interested. And so anything we could offer, uh, you know, they just they just lapped up like like crazy. And so even even in the early days, 2001 through maybe 2005 or so, there was, you know, there was interest out there. It was it was among the more savvy right. uh, marketing leaders. But I think I, I would say, you know, post 2007, post maybe iPhone, iPhone release, I think that's that's maybe a good a good year to use. Uh, is when it just turned into a bigger thing where, you know, people started saying, oh, we have to do this instead of, instead of, oh, oh, this is awesome. What is this? Oh, this is, hey, maybe we should invest in this. And so I think it changed from, oh, this is cool. Let's jump on this quickly before anybody else finds out to, oh man, we're way behind. We have to do this. But so basically in a nutshell, there's very little uh, smoke and mirrors behind SEO. On a very basic level, it's speaking the same language as your potential clients, as your potential partners, um, as your potential investors, etc. So the first step is to understand that language. So if, if, if you continue along that path, so many websites just miscommunicate yeah. um, to the to the greater public, meaning it's, it's almost like so, so it's almost like they're speaking French on their website and they don't realize that most of the rest of the world is speaking, you know, German, English, uh, Spanish, whatever. And then, the, and they just assume, Oh, this is, this is the language that we all understand internally. So it's, 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 it's really just publishing your information, your assets uh, in the right language, which technically then obviously means looking at keywords, looking at which keywords are being searched for, i.e., what language is being spoken by your clients in a really cool way once you understand that then basically what you're doing is you're focusing on content and obviously there's on page there on page signals and off page signals mm -hmm. but you're basically focusing on content and uh you know you're just you're just writing that content so uh people understand it with you know with using the right keywords i.e using the right uh, language that's that's being spoken outside. So in in, in a very cool way, because a lot a lot of people see Google as as an enemy or or you know an adversary. Some, it, an adversary you need to you need to deal with in a sense. But if you're doing things right and you're doing things according to what Google expects, you're doing it right for yourself and you're doing it right for your clients. Because then you no longer are going to be speaking about features which, you know, everybody learns that in marketing 101, speak benefits versus features. Right. But that's exactly what's going on in a sense when I say, hey, we're speaking the wrong language. What's interesting is, is this hasn't always been the case, right? I totally agree with you. Um, you know, and Google has done a lot over the years to make sure that they are adding more sites to your results that are more relevant, right? So again, more in tune with what you're looking for. Uh, yep. And, I, you know, and I, I understand what you're saying. Like if you speak the way your customers speak, the rest is gravy. But it wasn't always that way. And it's way better now. But can you talk a little bit about like, I remember people doing like keyword stuffing and writing uh, whole paragraphs of copy that were white, you know, coded to be white on a white background. So only the search engine could read it. Now, now Google has smartened up to all these things. But like what has changed over the years? Because I've also seen that because of Google's getting better and smarter, to do a better job of optimizing than your competition, you know, you've really got to keep up with how they change. So why don't you talk a little bit about how it worked in the in the olden days and then you know how Google's gotten through machine learning and AI and a lot of other technologies smarter uh, and put more of the onus on us to be honest and and really provide quality content. Okay. Yeah, I love that question. It's it's really good because it historically it kind of covers where we are now. 
So initially, what, what I was kind of referring to before, what we were doing with Lycos and AltaVista and Yahoo is we were basically just like you were saying. We were feeding them exactly what they were looking for in a way. And it was, it was, you know, it was keywords. It was basically how much can we get away with here? How far can we go into tricking them before there is a problem? And there never really used to be an issue. It's, it's just how much can you get away with before your pages look really stupid? So what, what you're saying is, is, is that, you know, some of the examples were, um, you know, having white content on white background and that content was just a bunch of junk. I mean, not junk keywords, but keywords that had maybe little to do with the actual content on the page, but you're just trying to cover as much, um, as much territory as possible. And it worked. <laughs> that's see that's the crazy that's that's the insidious thing yeah so what are, what are the search engines going to say okay well you guys can cheat but hey just don't do it you know right. clearly if you followed their wishes uh you were going to end, end up way behind in your rankings right because everyone really follows the money exactly right exactly and it's it's no i i remember just having, you know being in a group this was you know this was uh 90 maybe 99, maybe even 2000. Uh, I was in, in a group of other marketing people, kind of, you know, wannabe SEOs. And we were just kind of trying to figure out how far can we go? Like, what have you guys experimented with that didn't get you in trouble? Or, or that, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't even the question of getting you in trouble. It was more the question, of, like, how far can you go before your pages just look patently stupid? That's what we're trying to, 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 to weigh. Yeah, or at some point, right, Google gets into, now they punish you for these things. Exactly, exactly, which really wasn't happening back then. And so to kind of segue into what changed is Google started as a, as a Stanford, you know, it was Larry Page and Sergey Brin. It was a project that they were working on. It's called Backrub initially. Their radical departure from other search engines came precisely from that need they were very dissatisfied with the way other search engines like if if you just populated a, a page with with britney spears over and over then you know everybody searching for britney spears would, would find this page with information that had nothing to do with britney spears right on the first page maybe as number two or number three or even number one and end up getting some traffic for it and that that really dissatisfied those two guys and so they looked at a website and they said okay this website needs to be reviewed and needs to be certified in a sense so we can look at it with our algorithm that that's great we're probably much more advanced than what else is out there but we would also like to engage in a, a peer review and so it's looking at outside forces reviewing and giving credence to the thought leadership of a website. Um, and so it's, so it's basically inbound links, but then on top of that, so it's links from other websites pointing to your website, uh, kind of giving you credence, kind of, you know, telling everybody, oh, this is, you know, talking about the website or an article on your website in a, in a blog post saying, hey, here's an awesome article. And if this happens over and over and over, from reliable sources, from reliable other websites, then Google says, oh, okay. So it's a good website from our perspective and from an external point of view. It, in a sense, this, this peer review, these, these, these inbound links also support that. So, okay, let's give them a good ranking. So not in general, but for these, this specific topic, this specific basket of uh, keywords in a sense. Right. And, and so they actually took it a step further because um, initially, you know, once it's, it's a, same thing happens again, right? So these, these people get together, these, these wannabe SEOs and, 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 and marketing managers, marketing VPs, they say, okay, so Google is important. Google is measuring um, the quality of a website by these inbound links now. Hey, so let's just get a ton of inbound links. Hey, wait, we can actually pay people to get these fake inbound links and we can get maybe 10,000 uh, or 100,000 within a month and let's see what happens. Right. And that actually, it actually helped. It helped the rankings. And so Google needed to kind of sharpen their pencils and say, okay, we see what's going on. We need to work on the algorithm a little bit. 
And uh, so they they dove into it and they and they and they figured out okay what constitutes uh, a high quality inbound link, and then going even a step further, saying hey you know if if you look at a website and this website has an and, and, and the, the natural speed of this website um, in in uh, accumulating inbound links has been about maybe two links a month, and suddenly they get a hundred thousand links. And a lot of those links are from very, very low-rated directories, from sites in Russia, from sites that have absolutely nothing to do with what they're talking about on the site. Then Google, you know, in sharpening their pencils, they realize, okay, oh, these are trash links. Let's, number one, disregard them. And then as they progress, they said, oh, you know what? We need to penalize this website because this is um, this is basically spamming. You know, so, so it's not on-page spamming, but it's right. kind of working with our um, off-page signals and messing with those. Yeah, the comment sections for everyone's website were filled for a while with links. You know, most sites turned off the comments when that was, when, you know, exactly right, right, uh, right best right, practice right. for SEO spamming. You've been doing this a long time, and so could you just talk a little bit about some of the really great results you've gotten from helping clients with this process and really some that even surprised you. Were there any that you were like, I know this is going to work, but I didn't realize it was going to work this well. Yeah, I, th- I think there are a lot of fun examples. Like um, One of them was when we uh, we worked with LinkedIn in the very, very early days. Uh, I mean, back then when we worked with them, they were uh, high-tech startups, actually. So it was like Skype, Yelp, and LinkedIn. And with with LinkedIn, it was it was really fun because we uh, th- so 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 their issue was basically, uh, hey, we want to rank for people's names, which I, I just I I didn't get. I mean, there's no other service out there like that. And I was just right. thinking, so what what's where's the ROI in that? I just I don't I truly don't understand. No, you want to rank for product or a service? No, 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 no. We if somebody searches for Justin Dobb, we want LinkedIn to come up first. Okay, let me let me try to get that. And then, I mean, after a while, it did it did kind of make sense. Um, and one of the suggestions we had for them is they were saying, "Hey, you know, what what why is it that we only have about uh, you know ten thousand names in the Google index that come up, but we have over a million people uh, signed up already?" And so we said, oh, this, this is really easy. This, I mean, this, this part is, is simple. It's because you're not publishing all that information to the web because you're requiring people to sign in, to subscribe. Then they log in. So all of this information is, is behind a login. Right. From the SEO perspective, we love to say, okay, you have to publish everything. We do realize that there is a, uh, you know, there's a business case to be made for content behind a login such as you know paid search you want this ebook you leave information you get the ebook and okay that's that's a fair exchange and and so we realized okay we we have to do something here because th- these guys really want you to sign in to take advantage of this information and so we kind of discussed the idea what if we have a public wh- what they called a public profile and we kind of called it a google profile because that you know, it seemed kind of seemed kind of sexy. So it's so it's, it's a value add instead of oh wait, um, I, I want to publicize this. Right. No, 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 no. This is good. This is so that other people can find you. Um, and so we kind of push that idea. And in a sense, it's a little bit like the way we deal with B two B assets that are behind a login. So if you've got this great ebook, uh, but you want to get people to the ebook, you have to publish some information. And the the right way to do that is you you publish kind of a controlled executive summary, and that's exactly what what we ended up doing in the early days. And so we helped them determine what should be in the executive summary, what it should look like, um, and then suddenly uh, you didn't just have you know ten thousand names, you had a million or a million plus names in the index. However, once you found it, then there was this kind of cross sell or upsell. A CTA uh, indicating, hey, uh, sign up, and you can see even more. You know, sign up as with your own prof- profile. You can see even more connections within LinkedIn. Yeah. So you uh, listen to the drug dealers, and you 
gave him the first taste for free. You got it. You got it. <laughs> you know, there's a lot yeah, to be learned from these, let's call them the classical professions. <laughs> yeah. A lot that could, that could be applied to uh, digital uh, digital marketing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, human nature doesn't change. Technology does, but human nature does not. Exactly, yeah. I mean, so that was, it's an interesting story. And it's, it's I mean, there, there was much more to our engagement with, with LinkedIn, obviously, because then we, you know, we had specific ideas of what the content should look like. Um, you know, what's, what's the easiest way to, to, uh, to feed that information to Google, so you're not over overdoing it. Um, and, the, you know, there's certain certain pages that maybe should be cleaned out from the index that you don't want to share with Google. Um, and yeah, but that it was really, really fun. People ask me, what's what's the right kind of client for you to work with, i.e., um, you know, what company size? So, I mean, there, there's a, a company size that makes sense. It's, you know, 10, 15, maybe 20, 20 million in annual revenue. Um, that's that, that's kind of a fun um, starting point uh, in, in, just in terms of budgets where we can start doing a lot for them. But on the other hand, if, if we're dealing with a startup that's very motivated or, or you know, a company that, that, that knows, hey, man, we, we really need to do something or they're being pushed by investors, um, such as, you know, looking at Yelp, Skype, LinkedIn back then, we can do a ton for them because they, you know, they, they realize they're behind. They're being kind of they're being pushed by everybody. Hey, you need to catch up at least to get to this level, you know, do your best in 90 days and we want to see some results. Um, then, then we can get a lot done, and then it's really, really, really fun to work with them. So you've talked a little bit about you know on-page optimization that you can do, and off-page. And by off-page, I'm assuming you're referring to you know behind-the-scenes metadata, etc. Is there anything else that you're referring to when you say off-page? So on on-page on-page includes metadata. The okay. off so on-page on really means what's what you can control yourself on your website. Okay. Um, it's it's the content, and uh, I, I guess I guess the most important thing to understand with SEO, it's it's not just that you can say, oh, okay, oh, we have an SEO problem here, let's fix it for for five hundred dollars. You just kind of tweak a few things, and then and then we can zip up and, and and we can dominate the market. When I hear those kinds of expectations, I will say, okay, let's go to the the SERP or the search engine results page. Let's just type in one of your top product or solution queries and and then you look at the top 10 and, and let's just say okay you guys are number 10 right now there are nine offers ahead of you so uh number one could be a directory okay you can't really you can't really compete with that but okay that still leaves eight competitors mm -hmm. and if you look at those what are they doing to get there and by doing a little bit of research, it can turn a little bit snarky slash fun, but you can say, okay, if you guys wanted to be number one for this keyword, looking at the competitive nature uh, of where everybody else is, um, I think we could do that for maybe $5 million. And the response is like, oh my God, no, 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 no. We just want you to fix things. Well, well, that's exactly it. Look at these other guys. You are competing or you think you're competing with Oracle, with Cisco, with Microsoft, with HP, there is no way we can, uh, you know, we, we, we can go against these guys. So let's be a little more creative. Let's let's look at some long tail keywords, for example. That, that's kind of the approach there. Sure. Now explain to our podcast listeners what you mean by long tail. Okay. So long tail is uh, so again this is going back to the the, the language that your uh, potential clients are speaking let's say you're you're searching for a car and uh, you're just looking for a to Toyota so oh yeah I want to buy a Toyota so you just type in uh, Toyota um, that's not long tail that that's a very head um, search because you'll get information about Toyota you'll get the history of Toyota you'll get uh, the history of Mr. Toyota in, in Japan, and, and then you realize, okay, okay, I need to be more, um, more specific. Uh, I need to dig deeper. This is another really, really interesting thing I've been looking at over the years, how we are influenced by Google, um, but then Google is also influenced by us. 
So that means that as we have progressed, the searches have been becoming more and more complex, which mm -hmm. means longer. So you're not just going to search for Toyota, but you'll search for maybe Toyota Camry and oh, Toyota Camry hybrid. Oh, Toyota, Toyota Camry hybrid XLE used near me. Right. And then once you get to that point, the results are going to be right on. They're going to be exactly what you're looking for. And the process of getting, so, so that's, a, that's a, a, a long tail search query, very complex, could be three keywords, could be four, five, six, seven, eight. And I can't remember the figures, but it used to be, uh, like, as I was saying, this is a historical progression. It used to be that it was pretty sufficient to just to type in one, two, maybe at the max three keywords, and you would find what you're looking for. But now I think the average keyword search is, is you know, two, three, four keywords. So it's, it's just becoming much more complex. So that's that's the um, the, the long tail keyword explanation yeah although before justin you, you so you had asked about the difference between on page and oh, yeah. off page yeah yeah so let me let me let me get back to that see you obviously you can tell i love this stuff because i'm just <laughs> i'm just blabbering on here um so uh on page as i was saying it's really what's on your website it's the content and it's also what you do with the content and it's the signals that you send google it's the the tags the title tag the the meta tags that are in there and also identifying uh, uh, uh yourself as an author um so it's kind of explaining the thought leadership to google so that's on page off page is uh, it's it's a peer review I was talking about. In in a weird way, you don't have a ton of control around the off page experience because it's other websites talking about you. You can kind of coax things in the right direction, and obviously by that I don't mean hey let's just get you know ten thousand links from these worthless sites, but it can be um, by kind of thinking about. What am I writing? What what did I publish in the in the last blog post? And doing some research and determining which kinds of thought leaders or industry luminaries out there might be interested in featuring what you wrote, or you know, they might be interested in referring back to what you wrote. So it could be as specific as, uh, I mean, let's let's say you just come up with a new product, uh, your Toyota, you come up with a new car, right? New new Camry, Camry Hybrid. It's it's just amazing. Here are the features, um, and and then you you try to figure out, okay, we need in inbound links. How do we do this? Oh. Hey, if, if we look at some of these car sites, some of these huge conglomerate car sites that are writing about uh, our new car, what other cars have they written about? Oh, they, they, they're talking about the Acura hybrid. Okay, it's a competitor. Oh, that's interesting because we're actually way ahead of them. So you, you can contact that outlet, that website. And if you're very specific and you basically say, hey, here are four reasons you guys should actually either review us and link back to our website or you should link to this review that we have on toyota.com because you guys it seems like you guys are featuring hybrids more and more and man you'd be totally missing the boat if you didn't feature us that's how you'll get a peer review in a sense yeah. from an external site so if you're really creative, um, you can do a lot of damage there. Is your firm doing the pitching to those sites or are you recommending these sites to uh, your clients to go through their PR firm or how do you do that? Yes, yes, yes. Let me just talk about um, how our approach on SEO has has really morphed mm -hmm. um, and we did a bit of a pivot, uh, I'd say about two years ago. SEO has been, you know, initially standard approach, hey, we're, we're really smart, we understand this. Oh, very exciting. Can you help us with SEO? Sure, we'll do it. And then you just you know, work with the client for six months. They see, hey, this is really doing something for us, and then, and then, uh, you know, you, you just you just have an ongoing retainer, and they're super happy. So, so what changed for us is just the nature of SEO, the way everybody was starting to offer. This is about five, maybe six years ago. Everybody was starting to offer SEO as a, a value add to what they were doing. Right. So, any, you know, branding companies were offering them, and 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 web designers, and I mean, whatever, because they knew 
that, especially web designers, they knew, hey, we're going to design a website, and the next question will be, hey, what, what about SEO? And instead of having to say, oh, you just have to look around and find somebody or recommend something, hey, we can do it. Right. And so what they, what they ended up doing, unfortunately, is turning this into a commodity. So it's almost like saying, hey, you don't really need an architect. Uh, we can just build a house for you. Um, and then, uh, you know, we can, yeah, we can, we can figure out some, 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 uh, uh blueprints and, and, yeah. you know, what, whatever you need, but it's a couple of it's windows, couple of doors. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. So we really, we really did a, a, a big pivot here because it was getting, it was getting really difficult to dive into this, um, as a marketing budget expense, basically. And the way we started looking at it is we, I mean, I was, I was actually to a point where I said, okay, you know, we're we're working on paid search. We're working on thought leadership. We're, you know, we're, we're kind of doing content. And uh, I, I, I almost said this about five, six years ago. Let's just drop SEO because it's driving me nuts. Um, and so the pivot really meant looking at something that had the same excitement as SEO did in the early 2000s, which now is content. And content really is, it really equals SEO. So what we're doing is we are focused on content for websites, and that way we have two deliverables. We will work with content teams. We will work hand in hand so we could be, you know, we, we'll take 50% of the, of the content. That they'll take the other 50%. Obviously, we'll, we'll do the initial keyword research and figure out an editorial content calendar. Mm-hmm. And this is what totally sets this approach apart from Number one, the standard SEOs that apply best practices and then kind of walk away and, and you know, well, let's, let's hope it works in, in six or 12 or, or 24 months. And it's a real departure from kind of the, the, the classic content approach, the cl- classic content strategy where you figure out what can we write internally and, okay, let's just publish a blog every month. Because when we start looking at these kinds of content strategies through an SEO perspective, uh, through an SEO microscope, let's say, we notice that, okay, what you're doing is great, but in terms of ROI, it makes very little sense. You guys are doing a wonderful job publishing a 1,500-word blog every month. Um, The level of content quality is very high. Fantastic. But the problem is you're not you guys aren't really moving forward because you already dominate this field of expertise, Mm -hmm. which means you guys are thought leaders already. So look around and determine, you know, what other areas uh, you could publish on that makes sense for you. And so then the follow up question is, so what you know, what should we focus on? We don't know. Oh, hey, we can tell you we can actually work out a. Uh, a, 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 a content editorial calendar for you with topics, i.e. keywords, that would make sense for you. And uh, so let me get into a little bit of detail here. Um, an exciting way to get started with a client is to look at, so the assumption is the client's got a website. Right. The website's pretty, you know, website's pretty good. There's content on the website, but the rankings just aren't that great. So you kind of analyze where the rankings are and it looks like, hey, there's some pretty good stuff on the second page of Google, but it hasn't made it to the first page. And so then we look at that content because Google already is saying, hey, this is pretty good, but you guys aren't thought leader enough to make it to the first page. Yeah. And so we look at that content and we determine what exactly is this content lacking to get it to the first page. And that's a determination. And this, this, is, this is where it gets really, really exciting. So this is obviously the content question. Um, but we found the foundation for this is competitive intelligence. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's how we know. That's, the, that's how we know each other uh, from the CI world. So competitive intelligence, so it's, it's looking at what your competitors are doing, kind of taking us back to that um, perspective of, hey, what are those nine slots doing ahead of you 
or those you know 13 slots ahead of you that you need to do better so you can be on the first page. So it's a combination of competitive intelligence and also AI. And on the AI side, we, we can actually we can look at rankings, we can specifically look at rankings and deconstruct them and look at the rankings from a Google perspective. And so we can see, okay, so you're number 13, which means you're on page two. Okay, so nobody will see you, but Google's taking you somewhat seriously. Let's look at page one. Let's deconstruct what these other guys are doing. What are they doing in terms of signals? What are they doing in terms of page length? What are they doing in terms of, you know, how often a keyword is mentioned, for example? And I'm not not, not talking about keyword stuffing. Right. It's it's just, you know, does the keyword come up a lot? Is it important for Google to kind of get those signals? And then with those with those two factors, so the, the competitive intelligence and the CI side and the AI side, we can fairly easily help a client get some of those page two rankings to page one. And that's really exciting. Yeah, yeah. Because then then you're 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 blowing away the content uh, shops out there. They're just doing content, but they're not really measuring anything. And you're blowing away the SEOs who are saying, "Oh, yeah, you need to add more good content, and and you need to uh, you know get more inbound links, and with a lot of strategy behind it." And this way, we can say very specifically, "Okay, you guys have right now. You have a uh, a blog post that's 750 words. You need to." increase that to at least 2,000 words. Well, why is that? Oh, because all of your competitors, and this is from Google's perspective, yep. all of your competitors have blogs on the first page that are at least, let's say, you know, 1,900 words long. Oh, that's too long. Well, no, no, that's, hey, hey, we're just, we're just telling you what Google is expecting. Right. We're deconstructing we're, in a sense, we're we're interviewing Google. We're saying, "Hey, what do we need to do to get to the first page?" Well, you know, look at the look at the length of the of the block, and uh, then determine you know determining other signals and 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 uh, a bunch of other stuff. But combining CI with AI kind of gets us uh, gets us this amazing way to to really add. ROI onto uh, content. Yeah, that's pretty fascinating. Could you talk a little bit about the tools you use to do that? Because, I mean, you know, this is where I'm out of my element, right? We really don't do SEO, which I'm sure you're glad about. Um, <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, we, you know we, we bake in, right, when we do development on a website or something, we will bake in all the necessary, you know, I'll call it the perfunctory on-page on work. Um, yes. But... And that's, you know, and we can do some basic keyword research, but to your point, we are not uh, using some of these tools that you're using to really get into the competitive analysis from the SEO perspective. That's why we know nice people like you. So <laughs> talk a little bit about what are those specific tools? Because, I mean, you talk about using AI and I'm like, I'm suddenly, I'm fascinated. So so what are those tools and, and, and maybe just which tools are used for what aspect of research? You don't have to get into how you use them or... Right. What I hate is when when you get a huge list of tools. So I I, I really like to to focus on, um, on on the tools that that work for us and the tools that we prefer. So for uh, for competitive intelligence, I mean there, there are a ton of tools out there. I really like to use SEM Rush. So SEM Search Engine Marketing Rush R R U S H like the band. Yep. Um, and that it works really well in. Um, determining what your competitors are doing digitally. So there, there's kind of a first level of information that you can get. You can see, um, so, so, so let me answer the, the question that comes up a lot. How, how do they get the, the information? Because yeah. it's, it, you know, isn't that proprietary? Well, they end up having, they end up scraping screens and they end up um, taking advantage of people who are running tools to get a general idea of the, tra so, so let me just kind of focus on one of the metrics, the traffic that a website gets. Mm -hmm. If you have under a million visitors a month, um, which is a ton, so once you're past a million, they're... Uh, data is actually pretty darn accurate. If it's under, if it's under a million, which is you know most websites out there, yeah. 
it's not accurate enough where you would want to say, hey, you know, your competitor is getting, I don't know, say 5,000 visitors a month. You'd say kind of in the range, it could be 10,000, could be 12,000, could yeah. be 3,000, but right around there. Um, the interesting thing is, so if, if you once you understand those tools and you delve a little deeper, the interesting thing is looking at trends. So it's comparing competitors and all things being equal, especially if the competitors are about the same size. If you compare what organic traffic, SEM Rush, for example, is 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 um, guesstimating on your competitors. Um, if one competitor seems to be you know, ten, seems to have 10 times more traffic, uh, you know, that's, that's probably pretty, pretty accurate. And then looking at trends, hey, what's happening to these guys? Looks like they had a ton of traffic in 2014. Ever since then, it's been decreasing. It's like, did, did something go on with them? Or, you know, looking at a spike is that, you know, was there something going on? You look at their PR, oh, there's an acquisition. Oh, that makes sense. Because they got rid of the old domain, and they, they kind of brought it into the mothership. And oh, yeah, it looks like, their original 10,000 visitors a month with this acquisition went to 20,000 and you know the the acquired site had about 10,000 visitors a month uh, prior to that so oh that makes sense that's great so we know th then we, we know something more about the competitors at that point yeah so the nice thing about SEM rush is you can dig even deeper and what so so looking at looking at traffic is great but what I really like to look at is you take it a step further, and this is where SEM Rush, Rush is really helpful because it, it, it gives you the value of the organic traffic. Now, what in the heck could that be? Right. So you're basically equating the keywords or the queries that are coming into the website. You're looking at those keywords and you're saying, what's the value of that keyword if I had to pay for it out of my own pocket. Mm -hmm. And the way I like to justify or, or explain that to um, uh, like to a prospect is, hey, so uh, looking at your website, for example, you guys are getting, you know, 10,000 visitors a month. Um, uh, uh, SEM Rush is equating that with about, let's say just, just for simplicity, a dollar, a click. So your traffic is worth ten thousand dollars, okay? Right. Um, if so, if your website got delisted, penalized, or if you just closed it down, and you decided, oh man, we still need those leads, what do we have to do? And you went to Google AdWords, you would have to pay ten thousand dollars a month to get at least that kind of traffic. Right. And so, to me, that's it's fascinating, Justin, because then you can say, oh, look at your competitors, your traffic is worth 10,000 a month, but look at this other competitor, their traffic is worth 500, like half a million dollars a month. Oh no, that can't be, no, 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 here. Look, you know, look at this, this, yeah. is, this is what they're doing. Uh, they have very high value keywords, so their traffic might not be a ton more, but the, the value of the traffic is high. And so that, that gives you much more, much more tangible insights. Um, and then on top of that, so with with SEM Rush, uh, the the thing I really like to look at is uh, what they're doing on the paid side, because for the organic side, uh, you know a lot a lot of this could be circumstantial, it could be coincidental. Uh, they might just be doing a good job, have no idea what they're doing, but they're getting a ton of traffic. But on the paid side, they usually know what's going on because they're paying, you know, five thousand, fifty thousand, five hundred thousand, five million a month right. to Google AdWords. So if you look at number one, the spend, the value of the spend, and if it's half a million dollars, you know, what the heck is 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 this about? And then you start kind of taking apart which areas they're focused on, which keywords they're buying, what the ads are that are the most effective and that's all the information you can get and finally what are the landing pages and there's a ton of learning that you can get from that from a competitor and then apply that to your own SEO for example and that, that's where SEM Rush is great. Yeah I should back up a little bit and, and mention to the listeners that you and I met we were both speaking at a conference and you were going over some of these tools and there's one tool that you pointed out for generating content, uh, answerthepublic.com. Yes. I will just give a, um, a third-party recommendation that when I'm writing my blog posts, 
if I want to write on a topic, I will put that topic in answer to the public and start, and I'll use that as either the title of the post, what, what, how people are searching, or, um, you know, at least put it in somewhat the language that we're seeing that people are searching this topic around. Um, and it really does. It, 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 we've gotten a lot more organic lift from those posts that are more tightly aligned with, you know, the exact phraseology of the search query. That's beautiful. I, lo- I love to hear that. I mean, that, that's a little case study on its own. Yeah. Um, so so if, 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 you're looking, if you're looking for keywords, you can, you can go uh, into Google AdWords, into your Google AdWords account if you have one, uh, and there's a keyword planner. And so you can get information from Google about what's the competitive nature of these keywords, how much will they possibly cost if we want to rank among you know, the top three, for example. Uh, I usually say, I mean, so, so for the keyword research itself, it's invaluable. Yeah. Because you, you can expand, you can, ex- you can take a, a head, so applying the learning from, what, like you know, 40 minutes ago, you can apply a head keyword and you can get all these wonderful uh, long tail keywords and th- this is this is just using the AdWords tool yep. and the same thing it, it, and it's, it's it's just it's just more advanced in a sense uh, you can get from answer the public because answer the public looks at uh, uh, search suggestions and it's the it's that little uh, pop down that comes yep. up when you start typing a search and uh, it does it beautifully because it, it actually gives you questions. So if, if you type in um, like a, a, a name of a, 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 of a motorcycle, for example, uh, Honda CBR 700, uh, it'll give you all these questions that people are using with that keyword in it. Yep. And so with those questions, I mean, like you were saying, you, you could populate a, a blog post or you could take every single question and make an FAQ out of that, right? Because this this is really the language that people are speaking. These are the questions that are coming up. Oh man, let's just answer all the questions. Yeah, it's it's and it's a, it's an amusing tool. It, uh, I'll it leave is. it. I won't spoil <laughs> yeah. it. I won't spoil it for people. Yes. But but just go to answerthepublic.com and and you'll probably Please be amused. Do. If you're not amused, uh, you're you're a black-hearted person. <laughs> Oh, and here's another really quick tool that I that I want to mention, and it's 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 as simple as uh, it's it's the Google Advanced uh, Search Operators, and so all you need to do is so go to go to Google.com. It's simplest this way: just go to Google.com, and in the input field, um, if you're looking at a competitor, so you're looking at a competitor site, and you're just wondering uh, how big is the site? You know, is it ten pages? Is it a hundred pages? Is it ten thousand pages? Yep. Just type in site colon s-i-t-e colon no space and the so domain.com whatever the like acme.com no spaces hit enter and it'll give you so this this is from google's perspective this is very very interesting it'll give you the number of pages that have been indexed and uh it's it's so so it's cool to check your own website Yep. Because you can check because if if what comes back there says, oh, 55,000 pages and you're saying, wait, 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 we have under 5,000 pages. Uh Oh, why is Google indexing 10 times the actual size of your website? And then you can do a little bit, bit of analyzing because it'll tell you which which pages they are. Then you can determine, oh, no, we have a duplicate content issue or, you know, there there are a ton of pages from our dev server that should not be up there it's dev.acme.com all of those 10,000 pages are up there oh my god let's 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 yank those out immediately so that that's another really cool way to look at your competitors uh, in terms of what's what's actually on what's actually indexed within google on their servers and how many pages are indexed and so so we're we're pretty close to running out of time here i know you've you know i've only blocked an hour for us to talk. So much fun! I just can't stop. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, so the, I, I really, I really, I love this. I truly, truly love this. And being able to connect it with competitive intelligence um, and our AI tools. So the AI tools, I, I won't, I, I, I won't talk about those because oh. those are, those are, yeah, yeah, nice. Yeah. Black. So the, your, your, yeah, the, the, yeah. the Black Ops <laughs> team has those tools. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there and, and there's nothing wrong with them. It's it's that they're they, they work very well with yeah. us. We have uh, 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 internal parts to them, 
uh, but that's that's our secret yeah, sauce. That's, that's like the awesome. Coca-Cola recipe that we're not giving away. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> uh, but speaking of, there there are parts of your recipe I know you're giving away because you have a book. That's right. Uh, the <laughs> <It's>, book. Is- <laughs> so this is your shameless plug moment. This is my shameless plug. Let me plug away here. It's called International SEO, and it's a uh, it's a compact guide about how to if if you have uh, SEO intentions and an SEO strategy internationally what you should be doing and uh so so the the really interesting thing here is uh of all as as we were doing research on this on this field um of all of the websites that uh are in, that are truly international and then e- even the ones that are using some of these signals to to tell google hey this part of the website is in french uh, this this part of the website is in German and should come up in a search in Germany. Even the ones that are using some of these like hreflang implementations, they're not doing them correctly. And I would say easily 90% plus companies are doing are either not not doing this or doing it incorrectly. So it's a really fun uh, it's it's a really fun field. Yeah. Right on. So so where can someone buy this book? Oh, it's 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 a, it's available on Amazon. So, International SEO by Andreas Mueller. Or if you're in the Bay Area, um, I will bring a copy by Bay Area, meaning the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, I'd, I'd be happy to to bring you a copy or, or tell you tell you a place where you can pick one up. Right on. Any parting words for people on the on the future of SEO? What should they be excited about or terrified about? Um, I think excited about. Um, I mean, as as as, uh, as simplistic as it sounds, if you're doing things right for your website, if you're building a good website and you're building good content, they will come. But and let me just add. This is a little uh, note with an asterisk in in smaller font underneath that. But if you know what you're doing, if you know which kinds of signals will motivate Google, then instead of having to wait, you know, 12 months, you'll probably get results within 30 days. Oh. So, um, yeah, fo- focus on the good stuff and, 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 and you'll be good and, and get as much content up there as possible. The one thing you should be afraid of is I, I know people are, are worried about uh, Google updates and there's certain areas like there was a medic update recently and it was uh, uh, this, this was websites that had to do with the pharmaceutical interest industry with with medication with uh, kind of healing and Google applied some very stringent rules to those so knowing about that and understanding why even though you have a good website you might have lost some traffic mm-hmm. and then understanding what Google's trying to do here and then trying to get the level of thought leadership of expertise up on your website so you can kind of sail through that storm so it is important to understand uh, these these kinds of Google trends but don't be freaked out because if if you like if if you're not applying any black hat measures on your website like cloaking uh things like that showing content that uh you want google to see but you don't want the visitor to see then you know you should be gold well thank you so much for joining uh me on the podcast today this was a blast thank you thank you justin hopefully i will uh be speaking near you again at a conference soon okay thanks thanks justin Brilliant is a production of Magnani, an experienced design and strategy firm in Chicago, Illinois. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review on your podcast app of choice. To learn more about Magnani, visit magnani.com. <laughs>